Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Declare the healing of God. Come on, declare the prosperity of God. The prosperity of God. In the pre-service meeting, I was going to have a shorter message today, and everybody laughed. And so they're trying to, they're trying to, trying to throw a monkey wrench in the deal there. Today is Trinity Sunday in the church. Today is the day we celebrate the doctrine of the Trinity, God revealed in three persons: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But this is more than just Bible doctrine. We're not to just study doctrines of men. We're to study God. Amen. And and in this Trinity, Jesus invites humanity into the triune life of God. We're we're, we're not just like some religion where we got a book with rules, and then we stare off into space and try to keep the rules. That's that's not not who we are. God is community. revealed Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And then, through some supernatural super lovable power, He invites us into that community. Now, we don't become God, but we become like children of God, filled with the Spirit. This is, this is, this is powerful. And today we're going to kind of unpack one of the, one of the manifestations of that. What, is, what does that mean for us? And if you've got your Bible, you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 28. Now, this is the resurrected Jesus. Jesus was murdered, and uh, defying all logic and reason, he was resurrected from the dead by his father. And then he showed up to the disciples in various forms and various ways. And here at the end of Matthew's gospel, he records the last words of Jesus. He says, verse 17, says, The disciples saw him, they worshipped him, but some, some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, we do pray that you would anoint the reading of your word, that your word would come alive the lives of people today, that you would transform us and that our heart would be molded to receive and walk in and share your love. And it is in Christ's beautiful name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, I am continuing our Empowered Message series today. Uh, We are in our second week, is it second week? Second-ish week of our Empowered uh, Message series. And um, this passage that we just read, uh, if you have a Bible in front of you and you read it, it probably had this heading that the translator put there, and he called it the Great Commission. Basically, he was telling people, go and tell the world your God story so that they can have their own God story. The Great Commission... Was, uh, was, was, was so radical because in the time of Christ, only the priests, only the Levites, and only the rabbis could actually teach the Torah. But 
Jesus is saying, listen, I'm commissioning all of you. I am giving you an ability. I am changing everything about what it means to relate to God. And so he commissioned them, not just gave them some orders on what to do, but it's called the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission that Jesus has given us. He, he, he adopted us as children and then sent us out with a mission. I have talked to you about the challenges uh, I have had uh, in, 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 in modern church teachings. And in so many church teachings today, they say the number one thing every pastor needs to come up with is a, is a vision for the church. And I'm like, I think Jesus gave us one already. I, I don't, I don't, I, am, I creating, am I creating the church of Jesus Christ or the church of Boca Raton, the church of Carl Thomas, the church of uh, Duke Rampel? What, what church am I making here? We're making the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave us a vision. It was that every believer would be filled with the Spirit of God, that we would have the power of God living in our lives, and that we would have a God story. And that we would share that God story with other people, inviting them into the community of God so they can have their own God story. This is, amen, this is what we are called to do as Christians. And I understand packaging, and I understand motivation, and I understand the ways of human wisdom. But I just feel like at some points we elevate man's wisdom above God's wisdom because, unfortunately, we want God's success, we want man's success instead of God's success. I think it's also important to understand that when we got this great commission, this great commission that Jesus gave us to go out and make disciples of all nations come after the great commandment. The great commandment comes before the great commission. The great commandment, of course, we find in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, there is a great commandment to have our heart transformed by the love of God in such a way that we're able to love people in ways we could not do it on our own. Has anybody in here experienced that love? That you that this love of God that not, not just makes you feel love, but makes you become love. This is what evangelism is supposed to come out of. This is what the Great Commission is supposed to come out of. All of us have seen the campus preachers and the sidewalk preachers, and you, you wonder, have you heard of the great commandment? I see that you've heard the great commission, but ha- you might want to go back. And Jesus said to the teachers of the time, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. And I just feel like today in the American church, in the church of Boca Raton, so many people need to go and learn what this means, that God desires love, a love that transcends what nature has told us, what Boca Raton has programmed us to believe. We've been invited to enter the community of love that is our God. We tell people about God not, 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 not to correct them, not to fix them, not, not, not that they become our project, uh, but the same reason we invite people to, like, a birthday party. The same reason we invite people to a wedding reception. The same reason we invite people to a, a housewarming. We have entered into such an amazing, loving, exciting relationship with the living God that we invite people into this experience. I, I have people over my house. I enjoy having pool parties, the summer's coming up, I'm, I'm getting my pool right, I am looking forward to having fun. I don't come over and, uh, you know, someone comes up to the door and I've invited them to the party and I don't say, you know, um, excuse me, uh, where did you buy your swim trunks? I see you brought hot dogs. What brand of hot dog did you bring? Oh, those aren't the right kind of hot dogs that we have at this party. Uh, I'm sorry, I see you bought cola, but we don't drink cola, we drink Coke and uh, you, you brought cola, and uh, you're doing it all wrong. You're not going to have any fun at this party because you're doing everything wrong. No, that's not what you do. You, you invite people into the party. And as they're in the party, they start to experience the community, and they start to say, oh, this is how we do things in the community. We take care of one another. We don't, we don't dip one another. And you know that, that friend that you have, you invite to the party, and they never bring any food? And yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and at the door, you want to be like, hey, you don't come with any food. Why, why, why are you so fearful of your lack? 
what, what in you keeps you unable to bless other people at the party? Let's, let's let God heal that. Let's, let's let God give you an abundance so that you don't have to be stingy. You don't have to come to pastor's house to go to the pool, but not bring any hot dogs or hamburgers. That the, that the conviction of the Spirit would start working on the one who would not bring chips or, or, or potato salad, would not bring macaroni salad or soda or de, even desserts, or, or, or at least some ice. Just bring a bag of ice at least. And if you're going to bring the ice, show up early. Don't show up late with the bag of ice. That don't help nobody. Don't show up two hours late with the ice. That don't even make any kind of sense, does it? Don't volunteer for the ice if you're going to show up late. We've been drinking warm soda for an hour and a half. In Jesus' name. But the atmosphere of love that we call God as revealed in Jesus is, is worth being a part of. It's worth being a part of the community of God. This, 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 and we, we sometimes hear this great commission and it becomes something other than what God has called it to be. An invitation into the life of God. Invitation into the triune life. There's a, there's a temptation to see it another way. Uh, like, like the world, here's, here's how we can fall into it as believers. And I'm, and I'm speaking to the church. If you're a guest today and um, you have not been touched by the love of God, watch out. It's coming for you. It's coming for you. There's a target on you today. But I've told Jesus in worship, there's a target on me too. There's a temptation when we get into the church, when we become Christians, when we're used to going to the party, to see it like they, they are bad, they are rebellious, and they reject God, and we we are the obedient ones. We're the good ones, and they're bad. We're, we're, we're the washed ones. They're the dirty ones. And, and we have to, like, oh, we gotta, we got to fix them out there. And if you have a hard time sharing your faith, it's probably because you've fallen into this paradigm of us and them. This isn't how Paul talks about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about it this way. I want you to see this. You got your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. He says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of of God. Now that's a very complex sentence, isn't it? But he says, listen, I'm not, those people who don't believe, I'm not calling them wicked. What I'm calling them is they don't see. And they don't see because the enemy has put like blinders over them. They're like wearing a veil. They, they can't even see the goodness of God. And the enemy did this on purpose so they can't see the, the goodness of God. They, they can't see this, the light of the gospel. Paul calls this, this, this gospel, this gospel that we believe. It's, it's not just a sentence. It's not just your testimony. It's, it's, a, it's, it's living. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's active. And Paul says that there is a light that comes from the gospel. And the enemy puts veils over people's eyes so they can't see it. And this gospel is the glory of Jesus. And Jesus is the image of God. And so Paul is writing, like, these people out there, they, like, you, you, you're looking at them like they're actively opposing you, but they don't even see the real you. They can't even see Jesus. You think that they're coming up with plans to stop the church and to, 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 to tear down Jesus, but in reality, they don't even see Him. And they don't believe that you see Him because they can't see Him, because they have blinders over their eyes. This is why they doubt. They don't see it because the enemy, come on, come on, come on, because the enemy has put blinders over their eyes so they can't see this glory that comes from God. They can't see the light of the glory. And so they think they've come up with something creative, but what they're walking in is false light. It's this false light that they think they've come up with something. And Paul is telling us, like, people don't believe because the enemy, the enemy keeps them from seeing. You see, there is a spirit realm. There's more than just what we see with our natural eyes and what we're experiencing with our 
with our senses. There's a spirit realm out there, and I have been trying to kick this thing in the mouth all week long. I have been duking it out. No, no pun intended here. I've been, I've, been, I've been scrapping with the enemy this week. I've been fighting. I don't know if you've been in the fight with me, Duke, but I've been in the fight all week long. There is a spirit realm, and there is an enemy active in the spirit realm. What can pierce this veil that's over people who don't see Jesus? Arguments don't do it. Judgment doesn't do it. Bitterness doesn't do it. Rejection doesn't do it. How can we get people to see that Jesus is truly the way? Laws don't do it. Signs won't do it. Being angry won't do it. No. You know what does it? The Gospel. It is the Gospel. In Matthew 20, let's get it again. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Now, I... um. Some of you are going to be reactivated in evangelism today. So, so some of you are going to have more faith in your testimony today. And others are just going to have your faith in God increased today. This is what the Spirit of God is doing today. Here's what Jesus is saying about this in this, in this passage. This is, this, is, this, this is key. I want you to just really hone in on this. So many times I've heard this message preached as a religious duty that God is requiring of you. That, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, look, you've been saved by grace. Now I have a rule. You need to go and do this thing. No, 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 no. This is actually a promise. Whatever God commissions you to do, he empowers you to do. And so what he's saying is you cannot do this, but my power will rest on you. And as you share the gospel, he said, lo, I am with you. As you are out there telling your God story to people, Jesus, by His Spirit, just shows up. And all of a sudden, His light begins to shine on your story. When you're telling people what's wrong with them, God is not shining light on anything. Have you noticed that makes things worse? That is not helping to tell people how bad they are because you're saying, in retrospect, how good you are. This is the, people. Very few people want to be like you. That's hard for some of us to believe. Right? Like, I, sometimes I don't want to be like me myself, right? Like I, I, and that's healthy. I want to be like Jesus. And so telling people, you need to do what I did so you can be like me, people are like, thanks for letting me know how to avoid that. Right? Like, I appreciate that shortcut to avoid being like you. Thank you. But when we talk about Jesus, all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Jesus comes where He is wanted, and He shows up in the light of His gospel, starts shining. The Holy Spirit is right there with you, igniting your God story. And let me say this, your real God story, not your fake God story. Not the God story like you wish it would be. Not the God story where you skip every trial and every stumbling block and every mistake. Not that God story. The real God story. The God story you read about in the Bible. I've had conversations with people this week, and this subject keeps coming up. And I asked them, who in the Bible do you want to be other than Jesus? And if you want to be Jesus, you've got problems, right? Because you'll never be God, right? It wouldn't be, you know, you're not God. And so you look at this and you're like, what, 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 what person in the Bible do you want to be? And, and those who don't know Jesus say, see, it's all filled with wicked people. It's filled with David was, a, was an adulterer and Moses was a murderer and Paul killed Christians and he had a terrible life. And I say, no, no, this, this book is so secure, it could tell you the full truth of these people's lives. It, it tells you that they had struggles. It tells you that they had problems. It tells you that they got it wrong. And yet God was still with them. He does not need a fictional account of these people's lives to show how good God is. Just like you, and just like the troubles that you've had since you've been saved, and the, the trials that you have gone through since you first met God, it, it's, it's in those low spots that God was often the strongest in your life. If you to be honest, if you were honest about it, you just you know that sometimes you knew God was most with you when you were like ready to give up. When you were at the bottom of the pit and you thought you followed God and that you missed Him and you were alone and you were crying out to God like, what, I kept my end of the bargain, why didn't you keep yours? And that's when God showed up. 
And when you leave out those parts of the story, you leave out the light that will shine on their low places. That's the light people need. People, people don't need the light of what it's like when you're on top of the world. People need to know about that light that you can find in the valley. Amen. Amen. This, this, my friends, is the real gospel. You shall be, you shall receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness, first in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a lot of conversation about who's got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and who is filled with the Holy Ghost and who's not, and what's the evidence. The Bible says you'll receive my power and you shall be witnesses. You shall receive power and be witnesses. Don't tell me you're filled with the Holy Ghost if you're not a witness for Jesus. No, don't tell me you got this feeling to overflowing and all you're doing with it is sitting in your house just being as happy as you can be while your neighbors are going to hell. Don't, don't tell me that, you, that you've been filled with the God who came to earth to rescue man and you've given your life to Him and you're never telling anybody about Him. Don't, 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 don't. At least be honest about it. You're still waiting for a filling to be a witness. Let's just be honest about it. Can we just be honest today? First in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Not only does the believer receive the Spirit at salvation, not only does He come when you receive the Gospel, and the Spirit comes and He awakens your spirit so that you can hear God, not, not only does He do that, not, not only does He make you alive to the Word of God, not only does He make you alive to the leading of Jesus and open you up to the life of of the Trinity. He, he's with the believer as you share your story with other people. People tell me, man, Pastor, how do I get more of the Spirit? How do I function in the gifts of the Spirit? I tell them, tell your God story to other people. The Holy Ghost will rest upon you as you begin telling them about this living God. Then prophecy starts coming out of your mouth and words of wisdom start coming out of your mouth and words of knowledge start coming out of your mouth. Healing begins to happen. You want to see God show up in your life Quit sitting in your dark bedroom. Get out and find somebody who needs to hear your God story. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody. This is the power. This is the power of your God story. This is what Paul said about it in Romans chapter 1. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the, say that word, power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is is the power of God. The Gospel. Again, not, 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 your, not your advice. Your advice is not the Gospel. Your shame is not the Gospel. Your fault-finding is not the Gospel. The Gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And, and this, this, it's... it's, it's I have to be honest with you. I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't. I didn't grow up a, a God follower. I grew up a heathen. And the fact that God would give me this kind of power, it kind of it kind of blows my mind. I got to be honest with you. It, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like if God could pick anybody, why, why me? Why, why you? Right? Like let's be honest. Why, like surely this is the best you can come up with. Like this. Like this. This guy with this messed up life who hurt people and like this, this, this doesn't, it's crazy that God gives us this kind of power. And then he gives us this power as soon as you believe. As soon as you believe, he gives you this power to share your God story and God show up. This is, this is literally the power of life and death. Your story with God. And then he tells us, listen. You tell people what Jesus has done. What, what did Jesus do? What, what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came. God Almighty came in the flesh as a man. He walked the earth, did miracles, proved He was not just man, but God to those that He lived with. He died a sinner's death. He was murdered on a cross. But He didn't stay dead. The Father raised Him from the dead. And then He ascended into heaven where He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day He is coming back for us. 
That is the Gospel. That is the good news. That the God-man, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, died on our behalf and was raised from the dead, conquering death. He was taken into heaven where He's seated at the right hand of the Father and one day He's coming back. This is the Gospel. And if you receive this man, Jesus Christ, as your Savior, He brings you from death to life, quickening your spirit, bringing you into the community of God, anointing you with the Holy Ghost to preach the Gospel. This is the good news. This is the news that the world needs to hear. Amen. This is what the lost need to hear. And this is what tears the veil. Right now, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior as it's become clear right now through my preaching of the Gospel that this is who Jesus is. Right now, the veil is torn. The Spirit of God is here. You feel a quickening in the room. You feel something happening. Supernatural. That's the veil being torn. You can make a decision at this very moment. Yes, something is happening. Jesus, I receive You as my Savior. And You, right now, can be born again from heaven. Do you say amen? This is miraculous. This is absolutely miraculous. This has the power to tear the blinder of the devil off of people's lives. This is the power to bring the, the, the spiritual eyes open. When I, when I got saved, I was blown away by how deceived I was. I really thought I knew God. And then I gave my life to Jesus, and all of a sudden, all my stupidity made sense. The Gospel made sense. It all made sense. I realized that I lived with this veil. And, and then once this veil was torn, I saw that God had been with me all along. Anybody else remember that? Remember you got saved and like all of a sudden, all of this spirit realm became real. And you knew that so much was going on. You remember that? And this is what David, the psalmist, we read this at the beginning of service, in, eight, in chapter 8 of Psalm 8, he says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have ordained. What is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Like, you got this whole world going on, and yet here you are with me. This blows my mind. This, I, 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 it, was, it, was hard to, it was hard to understand it. This ability of all the great prophets alive and all the people who have lived a holy life, that he gave me the power to tell the veil off of people. With, 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 with the preaching of the Gospel. It, 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 it blew my mind. And, and, and so I just was on fire. Remember that when you first got saved and you were just telling everybody about this Savior? You just told everybody about this good news? And, and there's something that happens when Christians get saved for a while. This power becomes a little intoxicating. We, we, it gets a little intoxicating. And after a while, you operate in this power and you start thinking that power is your power. And you start thinking this holy life that God has given you, you did it. And you start thinking that somehow you actually are better than the world. Have you ever noticed that? You start to separate. You start to... We the believers are supposed to be the most aware of our need of the saving power of Jesus. But we can get blinded to our own sin. We start thinking we arrived. We, 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 we start thinking we're just a little better than others. And this isn't new. This is as old as the Gospel. Paul told the church in Ephesus in chapter 2, he said, by the grace of God you've been saved through faith. And not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. And here's the real reason he said it. So that no one may boast. Not so you can, be, you can brag about being so holy and righteous. Not so you can talk about how terrible other people are and you're so great. No, the only difference is God, by His grace, saved you. If there's anything good, it's God. Amen? God has given so much power, we get it a little mixed up. We, we develop this paradigm where there's this evil world, who are the bad guys, and then there's the church, who are the good guys, and, and, and the good guys are saving the world from the bad guys? Like, I, then it gets a little cloudy right there. Like, is the world the bad guys? Or is the world the world and the bad guys are making the world bad? Or is the bad world making guys bad? And, well, I don't know. All I know is that we're good and they're bad. And, 
And the more we look at the world that way, the more the world gets divided in our minds. And the more judgment we fall into. It's, it's, it sounds good, but it's terrible theology. It's terrible theology and it's false light. It's, it's not a real revelation. It's, it's, it's false light. In, in the past couple of years, there's been a, some pretty famous scandals in the church. If you notice, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder, it seems, on the church to declare boldly what we believe because there's so many people who declared the same thing who just, their lives just kind of publicly and terribly got exposed as, as being sinful and unrighteous. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? But a lot of celebrity preachers have fallen, but a lot of church scandals, there's, there's, uh, it, it's, 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 it's hard. In the last couple of years, I've seen what this terrible ecclesiology, ecclesiology, that's like the study of how people in the church interact and how the church interacts with the world, this ecclesiology, this terrible ecclesiology has just done so much harm to the to our to, to, to our to our witness. Let me give you an example, if I real could. And, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm not trying to put anybody down. If you put up that first graphic, if you would, please. You've seen the show, right? 19 Kids Accounting. You remember this? Remember when they first came on, and it was like they were like the, they were like the the super Christian family, like like they were the uber Christians, and they're raising their uber Christian children, and their children are perfect, and the husband and wife are perfect, and you're like, it's just. I mean, it's a little weird, right? It's a little weird. So, it's, I mean, I want, I, want, I want the alarms to start going off in your head when you start seeing a little weird. This is, this is James 3 we're talking about here. A little weird means there's something going on, right? You're like, yeah, a little, little weird, a little weird, but, you know, maybe they just love kids and they, they love whatever. But, you know, this show was built on this narrative that they were the super Christian family and it defies Logic, because their kids grow up without rebellion. Their kids grow up perfect, and uh, and 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 they have this theology, this this theory that they want to keep their kids in a bubble. They were creating a bubble for their family, and in this bubble, they were able to create this perfect Christian community where there is no sin. That 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 was the false narrative. Next slide, if you would please. If you're on uh, Amazon Prime, there's a show out about them now called Shiny Happy People. And it's about this, this, this movement that they were a part of. And, and in this movement, the kids were terribly abused. And, and it's not the love of God at all. It is manipulation. It is control. And it is, it is terrible. And it's far worse than just a little weird. A little weird is always God just sending you a message saying there's something below the surface that is really bad. And you know, they went to great lengths to shelter their kids from the world. That, that's what they told us they were doing. They made the girls dress like pilgrims. Remember that? In the early, it was, it was super weird. Like, why do the girls dress like that, but the guys get to dress normal? That's what all cults do. And, and they, they, they talked about their standards for sexual purity with little girls, which, again, weird, right? It's just, it's weird, right? Uh, and they talked about courting instead of dating, and they set up all these protections from the outside world. The problem is... That holiness is an inside job. Holiness is an inside job. The deception is that we're not part of the world. Oh, friend. And then, you can take it down, then it comes out that the oldest son had been molesting several of the girls, and, and then it turns out that the, the, the leader of the organization they were a part of has a long history of sexual molestation of minors, and just that there was rampant abuse through this entire organization and, 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 and you start wondering well, oh man, if they can't make it, who can make it? Like if they, they did everything they could you know what they did though they, 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 they thought that they could somehow isolate people from the human condition our greatest threat is not from the sinful world but from our sinful hearts that, that, that you, and you cannot put a bubble for that a bubble doesn't keep you from your sinful heart. That, that, that the Duggars seem to think that as Christians, they were pure and they needed to be separate from that world that was corrupt. They, they, and they linked, gosh, they linked, this is linked to a way of discipleship that, 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 that's not really based in the Scripture. It's, it's, it's a way of looking at the Great Commission and looking at discipleship 
It's not looking at it in the way Jesus told us to do it. He said, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. Okay, Eric Geiger is a pastor, and he has this, this, this um, theology of discipleship. And he contrasts uh, what he called um, defensive discipleship and offensive discipleship. Defensive discipleship versus offensive discipleship. And defensive discipleship, like we saw in the Duggars, is like we are playing not to lose, right? We're protecting ourselves so the world doesn't get us. Follow me for a second here. I'm going to read something lengthy. I'm going to have it up here. I want to quote him. He says, Defensive discipleship plays to not lose the hearts of people to the world because defensive discipleship believes the hearts of people are pure. Consequently, defensive discipleship focuses primarily on protecting people from influences in the world, from anything that could corrupt the perceived purity of the heart. Defensive discipleship strategy is prevalent and ranges from teaching people to isolate themselves from the culture to constantly warning people what they should avoid. This is defensive discipleship. This is what we're seeing happening in fundamentalist America today. To set up worlds, to, to set up walls, like we can't let them influence us. And I see this among Christian parents. You think your little one is just so pure, is just so perfect, and I need to get them in a bubble so that that outside world, because it's, you know, they're my kid, so how could they be anything but pure? And, and, and I need to protect them from this world. So they put them in these weird little, little bubbles. And I'm like, no, your, your kid is actually a hellbound sinner if they don't repent. Like, they, 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 are, they need the gospel at work in their life. And not only do they need the gospel, they need to know how to live the gospel in a world that doesn't see Jesus. You, you see this. That's the difference between defensive discipleship and offensive discipleship, which I believe is a more biblical model. Offensive discipleship, again, to read from Eric Geyer, Offensive discipleship is different. It seeks primarily not to protect people from the world, but to empower believers to overcome the world. Offensive discipleship understands the power of the gospel and that it trusts in the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit and knows that if Jesus brings his transformation, obedience will be the joyful result. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. Thank you, Swana. Offensive discipleship understands the power of the gospel and trusts the power of Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not telling anybody how to raise their children. Every child is different. Your child may need to be homeschooled. Your child may need Christian school. Your child may need um, uh, public school. Your child may need boarding school. I don't know, right? I don't know military academy. I don't know. I don't know what your kid needs. And I don't stand on stage to tell you how to raise your children. Let me tell you what our philosophy was uh, as parents um, and, and just who our children were, again, my child is not your child. I, I don't know how you would raise your child. Our philosophy was um, we wanted our kids in, in Christian school and middle school because middle school was the devil, right, as far as I was concerned. And, and it wasn't so much to protect them. Just um, uh, It wasn't so like, oh, no, I can't let the world get on them. There is a level of defensive discipleship you need as a parent, right? Like if, if you have a family member who, you, who maybe... Uh, sexually assaulted you as a child, they're not babysitting your child, right? Like that's, right? right? Like that's defensive discipleship. Oh, why don't you let grandpa hold him? Grandpa's never holding him, right? That's never going to happen, right? Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to leave your kid in, a, in, in, you know, in the trap house overnight. Like, this is defensive discipleship. Like, we're not, no, we're not having you get subscriptions to pornography. No. Defend, like this, parents, that's like you have to protect your children on a certain level. Okay, so... That is absolutely necessary. So, but for us, it wasn't necessarily that you know the the, the bad kids, but that this, kids can be abusive in middle school. It just they just be ugly, right? And so we wanted them in a school that was going to separate them from the riffraff. I'm just going to be honest. Just just the knuckleheads. I just wanted them away from knuckleheads in middle school, right? I, that, that was it. And then when it came to high school, I started seeing this this this, this trend. I saw people who had their kids in in either homeschooled or private school for middle school, and, I, and your choice is your, your choice, right? I'm not judging anybody. Either homeschooled or private school for middle school, and then they would have homeschool or private school for high school, and they were in these little Christian bubbles, right? And uh, I had trusted that my kids were going to go to college. Right? That was my heart. I want you guys to say, 
we get educations in my family. This is what you do. Like, enough for nothing, we'll pay for it. And so I'm like, okay, no, no work. No, I'm good. Right? So we're expecting them to go to college. And I'm sitting in my mind thinking, if I protect you in a little bubble up through 12th grade, and then I send you off to Gainesville, Florida, like, like have I really prepared my children for the world? You're like, no, never talk to anybody, blah, 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 blah. Now go to a frat party. And there's just sharks circling them, you know, chum in the water. And they're like, oh, these, these evil universities, these liberal universities are, 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 are stealing our children. Why weren't your children ready for the university? Why? You, had, you had 18 years to prepare this human being for the world. And you chose to let fear dictate that entire time. And now you're mad at the world that your kid can't interact in the world. Now, if, you're, if your kid is, a, you know, they got issues, put them where they need to be. I, I, there is no judgment. If you pray and you feel like homeschool is best for us or the schools aren't good or what, I, you know, I, I just, I really need you to hear that I'm not judging how you, how, where your kids get education. I'm talking about a, a mindset of discipling our children. We, 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 we um, protect them in a way that doesn't actually protect them. What it does is it keeps our fears at bay. And it's a, it's a form of just narcissism. Your being raised is about me feeling good. As opposed to me trusting God that I will teach you how to interact with the world. And so, and so we, when we went to send our kids to high school, we were fully planning on sending our kids um, to uh, Christian school like they did in middle school. We were... You know, we had fallen into this trap that, you know, the high school was, you know, going to be, I don't know, whatever, whatever stereotype, you know, gangs roaming the streets and, you know, you, 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 people the giving away, like, you, people don't give away drugs. You think like, oh, they're going to get high. No, drugs cost money, right? Like they're, nobody's giving drugs to your kids, right? They want them to buy the drugs. So, um, and so we figured this. And so we figured out of due diligence, we have to at least tour this A-rated high school in our neighborhood that kids go on to Ivy League schools. We should at least tour it just, to sh- just so God can show us how evil it was. And we started walking around and we're like, I like these teachers better than the teachers at my kids' little Christian school. I, I kind of like the fact that these teachers are educated. Like, I, you know, there's little things, li- li- little things like that and these programs that are happening and the resources. And we're like, my wife and I are having existential crisis. Like, are we actually going to send our kids to this public school? Because... Our kids had gone to a really bad elementary school uh, for a time, and we were scared. And we just felt like God was saying, like, you know, first of all, why, why you, know, you ain't got the money. Uh, so, you know, go, going into debt to do this don't make any sense when you have an A-rated school in your neighborhood. And then I just began to think, like, this fits with my philosophy. I want to walk with my kids through the trials of life. And when they move out, they ain't calling you talking about, hey, um, I got invited to a, a, a fraternity party at a frat house, Mom, and I understand I'm a 17-year-old girl who's never been alone with a guy, and I'm now about to be alone with 170 drunk guys, but this guy's really cute. I don't know what's going on in my body. What do you think I should do with this frat party? You're not getting that call. You're not getting that call, right? At 15, when your daughter says, hey, I want to go to this party, and you're like, um, with the guys at school, and you're like, oh, who's going to be there? Uh, where's it at? Yeah, let me tell you why you're not going to that party. But let's, let's have a conversation about this. But I want to hang out with them. They can hang out right here. You can bring them to the house. You can bring them right here. I'll cook some hot dogs and some hamburgers. You could come right here. We got a TV. I'll, I'll wait in the bedroom. Dad, this, this girl likes me. Oh, yeah, does she know Jesus? Does, you know, why don't you bring her on over? Why don't you, like, let's talk about this. So she wants you to go where? Let me let you know how this might go down, you know? Oh, you know these, and so, oh, I know these people, and, you know, uh, with, with, with the sexuality happening today and sexual identity and, and drugs. And, uh, you know, we live in a very affluent area, and maybe your kids are in school with people who are very affluent, and you're not. How do you deal with that? How do you, like, I, wanna, I want to have these conversations with my kids as they're being formed. I don't, I don't want them to have this, oh, we, bad world. And then they meet someone who smokes weed who is like getting AIDS. And they're like, but I thought if you smoke weed, you'll wind up doing heroin and, you know, robbing liquor stores. And like, what else did my parents lie to me about? This, this isn't the conversation we wanted to have. We want to have a conversation, oh, so people are vaping weed in the bathrooms, huh? 
yeah, find another bathroom. You know, let's talk about this. Let's, this is offensive discipleship. Is this making sense? This is all, like, I am not scared of the world. We have the Holy Ghost, and I trust Him with my children. Amen? Amen. Now, now my kids are not perfect. You know, my kids are not perfect, but, uh, you know, their dad ain't perfect. And, 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 but their God is. Their, their God is. And the, the problem is, we stay saved for so long that, that Christians don't even recognize it, but we have no theory of mind. And, and theory of mind, it's a, it's, a, it's a part of the cognitive sciences. And it, it investigates how we figure out what other people are thinking. Theory of mind is like the ability to know based on context clues and what other people are thinking. And the longer you are in the Christian bubble, the less theory of mind you have. You have no idea what the world is thinking. You have no idea how they're raising their kids. You have no idea what's going on with their kids. All you know is the devil is in them and they're going to eat my children for lunch if I go there. Like there's no theory of mind that maybe I'm judging these people wrong. This is the danger of the Christian bubble. This is why you need to share your testimony so you can understand what people's lives are like. We need to actually be involved in people's lives because the longer you're saved, the less you understand the world around us. I remember when I got saved, and I was in my mid-20s, and, uh, and, and pastors would get in the pulpit, and they would say, uh, they had the award show on, and I didn't know any of those artists that were up for Grammys. I didn't know. And people would be like, hey, man, we're sanctified. So good, we're not of the world. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you don't, you don't know the culture you've been sent to reach. That's not something to brag about. You're a missionary to South Florida, and you don't know the culture that you're trying to reach. Instead, you're just telling the culture they need to be like you. That's a problem. You hear what I'm telling you? That's a problem. Does that mean you need to go get turned at the club? No, that is not. That is not what that means. That is that is, you know you do not need to like no. That is not what that means. But but if you're a Christian and you're consumed with avoiding sin and you think the world like you get this thought that the world is sinning all the time. I had a friend who was a, a, a who worked at a Christian university and part of his job was to um, do. To have the, well, they punished students who were doing bad things. That's kind of what he did. And uh, they have all these rules in Christian university. And he's like, your kids go to a secular university? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, I know what our kids do. What do they do it there? I'm like, they just live their lives. Because they're not told not to do things. And so they get to learn how to moderate their lives. They, they think that like at FAU, they're having orgies every day. And, and you know, like, they're doing these drug-filled parties. And I'm like, and so Christians are like, we can't, we can't talk about birth control because then kids, you, can I, I'm going to be honest with you. you got a kid in your cover of the ear. Do you remember how hard it was as a teenager to find a partner? As a guy, it wasn't that easy. It, it wasn't that easy. And if someone gave you a condom, that don't mean that you're going to all of a sudden get lucky. It doesn't work that way. Can we just be honest for a second about the gospel? Can we just be real about the world? It, it don't work like that. Like, and we teach our kids this crazy thing. If we teach them about birth control, they're going to start having sex. Most fellows couldn't if they wanted to, right? It, it doesn't work that way. Can we be honest? Am I making you uncomfortable? A little bit? Can we be honest? Can we be honest? Can we just quit the foolishness? We quit the foolishness. We aren't better than the world. Jesus is. All right, let me wrap this up. Three quick things I want you to take away from this message. Let me, let me, let me wrap this up. Let me, you know, the world is mostly filled with people trying to do the best they can with what they have. Let me say that again. The world is filled with people trying to do the best they can with what they have. You know what they don't have? The gospel. They don't have the gospel. They're doing the best they can with what they have. Most parents want their kids to turn out well. Most parents want their kids to turn out well. Most parents want to have enough money to get by. Most parents don't want drug addictions. Like most people in the world are just doing the best they can with what they have. So they fall into these traps, these, this false light. You just need more money. You just need more popularity. You just need more power. Why? Because they don't know the fame of Jesus. They don't know the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't know the popularity of the Father, the love of God. They find it these other places. You can't be mad at them for that. They don't know it. They, they don't know it. So these quick things. N number one, number one, we don't need to go from a life as a slave to sin to a life 
as a slave to fear. Right? You got freed from sin. Now, you weren't, you weren't freed from sin so you can be terrified of the world's sin. Like, I, like Romans 8.15, you've not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This, this false light that you've got to be scared of the world. No, the real light is God is love. And we need to encounter His love. We need people to encounter His love by the power of Holy Spirit. We need to remember our baptism and the new life that Jesus has given us. We need to identify with the One who has called us, not with what we're struggling with. If you're dealing with, 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 with sin, if, if, you're, if you're struggling with sin, man, like the, if, if that takes your eyes off of Jesus, that sin ain't going anywhere. As long as that thing is the center of your life, the enemy is never going to get off of it. Because it is working. Let me say that again. If you are struggling with sin, the enemy is going to stay on that as long as it works. You are loved with an everlasting love. Number two, I want you to live your life framed by your identity in Christ instead of a pattern of behavior. Listen, uh, you have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Uh, you, 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 you begin to change how you talk about yourself based on this identity as a child of God. Stop, stop talking about, stop rooting your identity in your struggles. If, if you're involved in sexual sin or pornography or anger or addiction, stop, stop saying, I need to stop doing that, right? I need to stop doing that. What I want you to do is start declaring your identity out loud. Start saying things like, I, the real me, don't do that. I don't, when it comes in your ear, you should go, no, I don't do that. That's not who I am. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I want you to start by the power of the Holy Spirit declaring who you really are. No, 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 I don't do that. Oh, I should have another drink because of my hard day. No, I don't fix my problems with alcohol. That's not what I do. No, I am not going to sit and waste my day doing this terrible thing. I don't do that. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be productive. This, 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 you have to start saying it out loud. I don't do that. This is not who I am. When we were raising our children, again, I was far from the perfect parent. And so if you're aspiring to be like a, like a, a good parent, look to the Father. Father God. He was a perfect parent, right? He raised Jesus perfectly. But some of the things that I learned I want to share with you. We would tell our kids, this is Team Thomas. We never turn on people on Team Thomas. We never agree with people outside of Team Thomas against someone in Team Thomas. We ne- like, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is, and these are moral choices I was telling you about. This is who we are. Trying to give them an identity. I would always call my son and my daughter by nicknames that affirm their identity. I don't want to share them now because it's private, but I gave them titles, and that was, that was their nickname in the house. Because I wanted that ingrained in their head. This is what my father says about me. Does that make sense? So, you may see your son as timid, but you feel like, you know, kids can be timid, that's fine. But if you feel like he's, like, you see leadership, that he gets, he just, his nickname now is Fearless Leader. Your daughter may be a confident one. Start naming them. Let your nicknames. Have you noticed in, 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 in Latino cultures, they do the opposite? Hey, flaco. Like they, they, and it's kind of cute, but it, it's not cute. Nothing cute about it. You start nicknaming people like prophecy over them. This is what I call you. Does this make sense? Come on up, Mike, if you would. Let me get, let me get my musicians up. This, this is like, what's your identity? Hold on to that. And the third thing, let me say this. We need the gospel at work in our lives. This is, this is okay, so we see all these, all these, oh, I only went seven minutes over. I'm so happy. Uh, we see we see all these failures happening in Christian ministry. We 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 saw this. Well, why why is that? Because these people forgot that this gospel that they were teaching, they still needed at work in their lives. We start forgetting that I need I need you to hear this. I need the gospel. Carl Thomas needs the gospel. Carl Thomas needs the gospel. Diane Ware needs the gospel. 
Stesia Pinedo needs the gospel. We don't graduate from needing the gospel. I need the gospel working on the inside of me. And as I recognize, not I don't fall into this, this shame and I'm a terrible sinner, I'm a wicked, evil person, but except I am, I am a sinner. And, and, and my desires are for evil. And I need to be aware that that is an inside job. And I need Jesus to save me today. Yeah, I got saved 20-some years ago. But I need Jesus to save me today. Tonight I'm going to go home. I need Jesus to save me tonight. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I need those new mercies to save me tomorrow. Amen. I need, amen. I need the gospel at work in my life. I need to never get beyond arm's reach of the gospel perfectly. Right inside of me. I can't get away from the gospel. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to save me. And as the gospel is alive on the inside of me, now that's the gospel I'm taking to people who still have the veil over their eyes. Not the gospel that they need. Not what I think they need. No, let me show you what I need. This gospel, I am being saved. That's what the Bible says. I was saved and I am being saved. Because the day of salvation is when the day of judgment comes. And I need Him to let death pass over me. And that I will be seated at the right hand instead of the left with the goats. Right? I want to be with the sheep and not the goats. I want to be with the beloved and not the outcast. On, the, on that day, I want to be saved from eternal punishment. I need to be saved. I was saved. I'm being saved. And I will be saved. And as I keep this in my mind, when I meet somebody dealing with struggles, dealing with hardship, bound in sin, I am the one saying, I am being saved. Let me share with you how I am being saved so you can get in the ark with me away from the floods of the devil and you can ride with me with the dove going out looking for safe ground to land on. Come on, somebody. Jesus is taking us over in this ark against a world that is being destroyed by sin. And the Holy Ghost is looking for a safe place for us to land. At the end of uh, last week's service, I just began to pray. And I, I don't even know where that prayer came from. I do, it came from heaven. And I looked and I saw that the Holy Spirit had landed on so many people. It was such a Pentecost Sunday and God was the supernatural of the Spirit descending. And I was so happy. I was overjoyed. I just, I was, I just, I just, I just thanked the Father for all that He had done in people's lives. And I had a good night's sleep. The next day is my day off. My day off is Monday. And my wife and I went to, to Lake Worth and, uh, Went on a little midday date and uh, went to walk down that, you know, that part of Lake Worth. It's kind of downtown. Where, not the other parts, the parts I used to live in. The nice part, right? Not the parts I used to live in. The nice part. And we were walking around looking at some of the old shops. And we had a nice little lunch together that cost way too much money. And I wasn't even upset about that. That's how good a time we were having. We were having such a good time. I wasn't even upset about that. And, and uh, I was like, man, we're having a great day. And my wife was kind of tired. We got home. Take a nap, and, and uh, I had uh, something that got on the floor of the kitchen, and I was like, "Oh, my daughter, my perfect daughter, had got stuff on the floor and had not mopped it." And uh, I said, "You know what I'm gonna do? My wife should take a take a take a nap. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna mop the kitchen floor, right? Just I don't do a lot of cleaning. I'm gonna be completely honest, right? And so it's not her job. It's just that I don't do it a lot. And so uh, I was like, let me let me let me mop the floor for my for my wife, and um." So I, you know, I got to figure out where these things are, right? I don't, you know, and she got this electric thing, and it steams and the dog barks. Out. I don't know how to work that thing. I don't know what that. Is. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm like, I just need a mop. Just give me a mop, right? So I find a mop, and I, I turn on the water in the sink, and I go to squeeze the mop in the sink. I don't want her to know that because she don't like that. She wants it in a bucket, but I'm doing it. So you know, I go to I go to start squeezing the mop in the sink. And the mop head pops clean off the mop because it's been so. She don't use this thing. I'm like, oh, I got a broken mop. Um, I'm like, okay, and I got a half broken mop on the floor. And so I'm like, all right, well, um, okay, let me find the, the other mop. But while I'm while the water is running in the sink, I'm hearing a little gurgling sound. 
you own a house, you don't ever want to hear gurgling in your plumbing. That is a bad sign, right? And so I hear this gurgling sound in my, in my, in my kitchen sink, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. But every now and then it gets clogged, and I'm going to plunge my, my kitchen sink. And so I can, you know, get the plumbing working so I can get the mop going so I can clean up the little thing on the floor, right? So the mop has turned into the broken mop has turned into the, the sink is not working. So the sink's filling with water, and I'm plumbing, I'm plumbing, I'm plumbing, I'm plumbing. And then all of a sudden, I thought there was breakthrough, but what broke through was the plumbing underneath my sink. So now all the water in my sink is now pouring down onto my I just wanted to, I just wanted to, I, I, like, what started is just a little bit of maple syrup on the ground is now I got a plumbing disaster happening in my kitchen. I'm like, I'm like, and, and at that moment, at that moment, I'm tired on Mondays. Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't know why. I'll get better at this someday, but this exhausts me, right? And I'm usually Monday. I got to recover, and so I'm like on Monday. I'm, I'm exhausted, and I got my I got water pouring onto my feet that should be going down a drain. And I'm like, and then just in that instant, in, in that instant, you know, I, I, I like 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 the spirit realm became real to me. It's like, what? How are you gonna look at this, Carl? How, 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 how are you gonna look at this? Is this what? Is is your? Is, are, are you cursed? I'm like. I just said out loud, I said, devil, you can't have my joy. You can't have my joy, devil. Good try. But it's going to take more than plumbing to take my joy. I, don't, I saw God move on Sunday. Had an amazing day with my wife on Monday. I see you. You will not get my joy. It ain't, it ain't going to happen. And so I put my plumbing back together, and I went to squeegee it, and I got the water going, and all of a sudden, the plumbing broke again, and it fell on my feet again, and my, my kitchen got flooded again. And I said, devil, you still can't get my joy. You cannot get my joy. Coming back together, went to the store, but more stuff to work on it. Worked on it for about an hour, and my wife is now. Now my wife is treading kind of lightly because these things can get me kind of worked up. Because I don't want to pay no plumber to come to my house. Call somebody. I, I'm like, workers worthy of his wage, but I don't want to give you six hundred dollars. I'm sorry, it's just not what I want to do today, right? Not today, devil, right? And so, and so. You know, we got a fellas group chat. If you're not in the fellas group chat, you might want to get in there. I just, I just texted the fellas. Fellas, the devil is coming after my plumbing. I need you to pray. And so the fellas start declaring in our group chat. I declare breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Father, loose the plumbing, right? Like all the spiritual warfare over my plumbing. And, uh, and I just think them words. And then, and then, you know, you know when things aren't going good, your kids want to come in and ask 50 questions about it. You know what I'm talking about. Well, what's going on with this thing? It ain't working. That's what's going on with this thing. Well, can I do this? No, you cannot do that. Well, well, well when, I, when I say you can do it, then you can do it. Like, we're not talking about the plumbing. Find something else to talk about. Let's talk about the maple syrup on the floor if you want to talk about something. That broke the mop and broke the plumbing and got my shoes wet. Let's talk about that. You want to talk about something. Oh, you don't want to talk now, huh? Yeah, back to your room. Okay, I got it. All right. Hiding in your cave again. That's fine. So I'm joking. I'm joking. It wasn't, it wasn't contentious. But like, so, 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 so I was just like, nah, not today, devil. I just got in my bed and I went to sleep. I just, it was nighttime. Nighttime, I'm like, God, you got a problem with some plumbing, right? I done gave my life to you. I tithe. Therefore, you're on my money. Like, I'm faithful. Like, this is like, you, 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 you better do something. And then I woke up in the morning and uh, I went out there and made sure the plumbing was working and, you know, fixed up again. I went, sink is fixed. Everything's fixed. Everything's running just perfect. I said, ah, devil, you you got to work harder than that. And then I said, no, no, never mind. You ain't got to work harder than that. I just bind you in the name of Jesus. You are defeated and you have no authority in this house. Amen. 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 Stand with me if you could. Now, listen, we listen, listen, we, 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 come on, come on. We, 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 we got a spiritual war we're a part of right here. We got a spiritual war we're a part of right here. And, and I got to be in control over what's happening inside of Carl and stop worrying about what's going on inside of the world. And God has invited you today to trust the gospel. Trust the gospel. Trust that God is good, that he has good plans for you. And, 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 and not everything works out the way you want it, but in the end, God gets glory. I told you last week I had until Monday to fix the car. 
when I was, how many of you know I was being a plumber on Monday? And so Bill's auto fixed the car. But the car is fixed. Praise the Lamb. My wife is not one who likes driving in a hot car. Hear me today. I joke, but I want you today, I want you to commit your life to the gospel. I want you to commit your life to the gospel. I want you to commit your life to the, to the gospel. I want you to internalize the gospel. Recognize. I understand all the teachings on identity, that I'm a saint, not a sinner. It sounds great, but it's false light. We need the gospel. We need the gospel. Yes, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, except I'm right here in Boca Raton. And my flesh has not been glorified yet. I still have a flesh that desires evil things. And I still have the devil warring against me. You know, one day, if you believe the gospel, you're going to get to a place where the devil has no power. You're going to get to a place where the devil can't speak in your ear. You're going to be at a place where you don't have to rebuke him ever again. But today, we need to use that authority to rebuke the devil, to rebuke our own self sometimes, and to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to pray. And I just want you to get in a position of just like someone's going to give you a gift. Put your hands out. However, whatever it will look like to receive a gift. And I'm going to pray for you today.